Our scripture this morning is 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 16. In that 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 16, it's found on page 1209 in your pew Bible. 1209 in the pew Bible. And it's 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. There it's written. Since all these things are, uh, are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I mean, we're right there at the end of this thing, aren't we? You're wondering right now, why didn't you just go ahead and pick up those last two verses? We, we could end this early. We've been, in, we've been in 1 Peter and 2 Peter for what seems like the entire year, and you would be close to correct on that one. But, but Peter in this letter, so if we recall for a minute, we're, we're here at the end of Peter's second letter. We're not going to hear from Peter again. He doesn't have a third letter to write to us. So this is, this is what Peter has contributed here. And, in, and through this second letter, Peter has defended, he has argued for, and he has answered all of the questions concerning Jesus's coming again. Right? That, that, that's been the crux of this. He, he's written this letter for the sole purpose of addressing the question, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Right? The, the criticisms are coming through. And, and he's answered all of that. He's defended it. He's argued for it. And now, we as Christians, taking Peter's word, taking the apostles' instructions, listening to the apostles' teachings here in this letter, are left with yet one but vital question. What is it we are to do while waiting? What do we do with this life we've been given, this life, this new life that's now in Christ? What do we do with the rest of the days that that we are told to number until Jesus returns? How do we spend our time? What do we do while we wait? But you see, waiting, it's not something we're particularly good at, nor are we very fond of having to wait. 
We can look around us as, as the culture, everything tends to get faster and faster. I mean, fast food restaurants exist for the sole purpose of we didn't want to wait 10 minutes for a hamburger to be cooked for us. And in fact, we'll even complain when the fast food drive through lane, because we don't even have the time to get out of our car to get the food, is too long, right? It's not fast enough. Why can't everyone be as efficient as Chick-fil-A when it comes to delivering you fast and delicious food covered in powdered sugar? I, I don't understand it. And then there's fast passes at Disney World. Disney World's always had this thing with long waits, and, and they do this horrible thing to you, right? You go in line at Disney World, there's a horrible thing. It says, from this point on, your wait is 50 minutes, and then someone comes while you're standing there and changes it. And you're like, your wait from this point is now 90 minutes, right? They, they tell you how long you're going to be waiting. And so they introduced this thing called a fast pass, which is just cutting in line, right? That's all it is, is legal cutting in line. And, and they used to be free, the fast passes. And you could get one at a time. And then once you used it, you could go to the station, get another one for another ride. Well, Disney figured out that we hate waiting so much we will pay them more money to not have to wait. Only to find out everybody else doesn't want to wait either. <laughs> so you get in the fast pass line and what do you do? You wait. Because now there's a line there. I mean, there's even at, at Chili's, right? The sit-down restaurants have realized that we've got to do something here. This, this waiting, this 10 minutes for your food to arrive from the time you order it until it comes to your table is just far too long. We've got to keep people engaged. So they get tablets and put on your table for you as if we don't already have our own phones with the games we like anyway, right? They've got to keep us entertained. See, we don't wait well at all. And often we find ourselves, when we're waiting for anything, we'll find ourselves aimlessly killing the time or just filling it with something we don't need. And, and to be honest, killing time or filling time, neither one of those is actually done with much purpose or forethought for our lives. You see, being busy does not equal mattering. We can fill our time with all sorts of things, good things, only to find all we've actually done is killed our time. And it's because waiting is so hard. Wait, waiting seemingly leaves us in an uncomfortable place, right? A place where we have time for self-reflection. And who wants to do that? Who really wants to take time to evaluate our lives, right? Because then we're just going to think of all the things that we've messed up, all the places we've stumbled, all the places we've faltered, all of the sins we continue to think we have hidden. Self-reflection, don't let us get trapped into doing that. Or waiting can leave us in a place where we are left alone with our own thoughts. Sometimes the sins and the desires of our bellies begin to take over. But I would contend that the reason we don't like waiting 
has a much deeper issue than that. Jason Farman, a, a psychologist, studied uh, Americans in, in our inability to wait. And, and he says that we think as Americans, as time, as an individual commodity, that time is something we own personally. It, it, is, it is my time, and I will spend it or use it how I choose. And when we have to wait, what it ultimately does is it makes us feel powerless because someone else is now in control of our time. There it is, the very heart of the matter. What actually makes waiting hard is our need and our desire to be in control. It goes all the way back to the garden, all the way back to Adam and Eve there in the garden. And the serpent comes and says, you know, he only doesn't want you to eat from this tree because then you could be in charge of everything yourself and not need God. That was the lie that got us kicked out of the garden. The lie that we could eat and not need God and our desire to want to be in control of every aspect of our lives. And so, if time we believe is ours as an individual thing we own, then waiting is what happens when someone else takes control of our time. And we don't like it. So if we kill time, or if we fill time with something, anything, something useless, TikTok, Be Real, social media, cat videos on YouTube. I mean, have you done that? They play the piano. You can spend hours doing this. Emails, news, blogs, we, we can find something to do with our time. We can play, uh, what is it, Candy Crush, Bejeweled, Brick Breaker, what are the games on our phones? Just pull them out, Sudoku, we can do Wordle and all sorts of things. But at some point, we'll find ourselves in this life just going through the motions of life. And get to a point to where the, the author and playwright Samuel Beckett wrote, the boredom of living is replaced by the suffering of being. That we get so bored with this life that we've just filled our time or just use it all to kill our time, that there is actually no purpose behind any of the things that we're doing. We get so bored with the living, we end up just suffering while being. Yet here we are, alive, fully alive, alive in Christ with, with a faith in Jesus for our salvation. And, and Peter and, and Paul and all the other apostles, they agree. They agree with what Jesus promised. They agree with what Scripture says, that Christ will come again. 
So what is it we are to do while we wait? We've made him our Lord and Savior of our lives. He reigns supreme in our heart. The Holy Spirit is there dwelling in us. So what is it we are to be about until he returns? Because there has to be more to this life than just living while waiting to die. There's a greater purpose for this. Peter points it out. Scriptures are clear that there is a, a purpose for this waiting. In reality, most of us have put together a life that appears to have some meaning, whether it's through our job, our career, our family, our friends, our community, our hobbies. But living like the rest of the world, while not necessarily waiting for Christ's return, but rather just end up being vain attempts to avoid pain and loneliness and death. But that isn't the life God called us to. He calls us to an abundant life, a life with, with a purpose, a life with a meaning that we aren't just lemmings walking around here following one after the other. We aren't just cogs in a machine that as the wheel turns, there's going to be another one after us to replace us, and no one's really going to miss us when we're gone, but our life has a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose than that. For Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 that we are called to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And that calling you've received that calling from Jesus, O oh sinner, come home, that calling from the world to God is a calling that we have been adopted as the sons and the daughters of God Most High, that we are now his children. We belong to our Father who is in heaven. And so he calls us not to be about the world's business anymore, but to be about his business. To not be about our kingdoms and our time management, but to be living for the time when Christ comes again and will reign forever. Peter charges us, beginning in verse 11, he says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? What he's saying here is he has these plural words, is that it's necessary for us to live lives in holy conduct and in godliness. And Peter, in his first letter, I know you remember it from earlier this year. You can flip back to your notes. I know you carry them with you, right? He, he, he talks about holiness and what it means through that letter, that, that what it means to live this holy life, this godly life in Christ, what it means to be set apart for Jesus. He says that holiness is, is getting about your own sanctification. That it's expressing sincere love for brothers and sisters in Christ. It's more than just a glad-handed handshake on a Sunday morning. That holiness means that there is a, a willing to embrace suffering for the sake of of the gospel, 
and that there's a loving service to the family of God. Ultimately, what it boils down to is that while we are waiting, while we are waiting as Christians, is that as Jesus gazes upon us, that he would see a reflection of himself being lived out. And I wonder often, what does he see? What does he see from me? What does he see from my kids? What does he see from us as a church? What does Jesus see from those who claim him as their Lord? Does he see a reflection of himself through the lives we are living? Or does he see a reflection and a picture of worldliness overtaking our lives? verse 14, Peter tells us that while we wait to be diligent, to be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I'm not so sure if Jesus is to return at about 125 this afternoon in the middle of the Jags game, how many of us he will find at peace because we just weren't ready for him to return yet. See, there was a time growing up, I still grew up, I'm, I'm old enough to have grown up in the time, right, it's old enough, funny to say, I'm old enough to have grown up in the time where we drank from water hoses and drank tap water from the sink because we're not paying for bottled water, right? This water we have that comes out of these faucets is free. But I'm also old enough to have lived through the transformation that's happened with tap water, right? We'll hook it up to our fridge so we have the easy access to the water, but we want it filtered. We'll drink from the sink faucet after we pour it through our Brita filter and get our pitcher so that way all the impurities can be moved out of that water. And that's what Peter's kind of getting at for this life we're to live while waiting. That as Christians, we are to be persistently purifying our lives. Actively filtering out all of those impurities. See, Peter, he displays in this letter, really, that there's going to be two kinds of people while waiting for Jesus to return. Those who have no regard for the state of their purity and those who are looking to keep it intact for Christ. See, we're not just here to kill time and fill time. We're not just here to be entertained by the world around us. But Peter says we're waiting for and hastening Hastening, that means the speeding up, the coming day of God. What does, that, what does that look like to speed up the coming of God? Quite simply, that we're to put off sin. 
or not to wait any longer to deal with it tomorrow, but to deal with it now. We ought to disdain anything we would be ashamed of at his coming. So he gives us some instructions here to hate sin, to be persistently purifying and at peace, to be holy and to be godly. And through all of this, in this, in this life we are to live, this abundant life, God promises that it's not for nothing. That there's this promise that comes with it, but we are waiting that when Jesus returns, we're waiting for paradise recreated. Paradise where as Adam and Eve walked around and knew God intimately and lived and enjoyed our Father's presence. The goal of all of this isn't to just live so that when we die, we get to heaven, but rather through all of this, our salvation means that on the day the Lord returns, we will get to be in the new heavens and the new earth in the paradise recreated with our Father forevermore, enjoying him just as Adam and Eve did originally. And what a glorious promise that is. What a glorious reward to wait for living through this life. But still we, we wonder why, Lord, why must we wait so long? It's hard because we're not in control of this time. Yet Peter reassures us that, that waiting is not wasting our time. Waiting for the Lord to return is not wasting our time. The active waiting that he calls us to isn't just filling our time, but rather it's a display of God's patience for our salvation. Because God knows us. He knows we don't have it all together today. Not even close. We may think we, we have it pretty well together. But deep down, if we, if we take that moment to do some self-reflection, we'll realize we, we're not even close to being able to reflect Jesus back to himself. So God's patience is for our salvation. Our, our waiting then must be productive. After all, it is producing our salvation. George Matheson wrote that we commonly associate patience with lying down. Yet I believe that there is a patience that is harder. He writes, the patience that can run, the power to work under stress, to continue under hardship. This is the Christian thing. The hardest thing is that most of us are called to exercise patience, not in the sickbed, but in the street, in this life we are living. So that's what we're to do, to get on with living with this productive waiting. We know what's asked of us. So I encourage you. I encourage you with the words of the 16th century preacher Richard Baxter up and be doing. 
Run and strive, for thou has a certain prize before thee. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, so many days of this life we're living can seem aimless, and the wait sometimes eternal. Lord, energize us to move beyond filling and killing time into living holy and godly lives that will please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.